podcast that digs into the unusual, unorthodox, and downright unsettling beliefs sent at the depths of the internet and the heights of paranoia. I'm your host, Dylan, and with me is the Abulic Forest and Abranchiate Brent. Ooh, I'm very, I am very happy now to be part of the adjective mongering. I'm glad you are. I'm glad Brent still is too. Uh, I figured... When we went back to the A's, because we already went through A to Z for Brent, that we would include everyone. Everyone's getting an adjective today. And just to let our listeners know, a Bulick is an abnormal inability to act or make decisions, which I think is true (laughs) about uh, Forrest. No, that's Forrest. Uh, Brent, yours is even better. A branchy, it means having no gills. So that is definitely true. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Um, I believe having gills would be beneficial as the planet gets warmer and warmer and there's going to be more and more (laughs) water coming our way. But unfortunately, that time has not come yet for you. (sighs) And what are we talking about today? Today, we are continuing our series on Lyndon LaRouche. So we've covered so far his rise to the NCLC, which started as a Marxist political cult, shifted into a more far-right political cult. And we are going to start today. We've already covered some of his beginning presidential campaigns, but we're going to start today with a move, with LaRouche moving from New York to Virginia. And I believe Brent has more on that. Yes. And I've titled this section LaRouche scaring some Virginians. So starting oh, off the he bat, did. Terrifying he did. them. So, okay. So just for our listeners, this portion was taken from the article LaRouche arouses fears in a rural area of Virginia by Ben A. Franklin. Yeah. And next time we'll warn all the non-listeners to turn off the podcast before revealing our confidential sources. Yes. <laughs> uh, just, yeah. Something we skipped this time. So in 1983, Lyndon LaRouche relocates his Manhattan headquarters to the Washington area. The LaRouche organization had plans on building a summer camp for children of LaRouche employees in the neighboring Loudoun, Virginia. So at the night meetings for the county zoning commission, the LaRouche organization asserted that they intended to have armed guards at the youth camp, as well as a program for secret weapons training for the children. <laughs> Um, so, you know, it's, it's not fair. The only weapon I was trained with in my youth camp growing up was the sword of the spirit, which is of course the word of God. Oh, oh yeah. Wait, wasn't it Jesus who uh, said he did not come to earth to bring peace, but a gun or am I quoting something wrong here? Yes. I think, yeah. If, if this is still some word of God metaphor, a gun has a much longer reach than a sword and is thus preferred in the world of armed apologetics. I believe <laughs> that's what you'd want to go with. Yes. So, however, the camp director, Susan Ulanowski, denied there would be firearms, saying that the campground caretakers would have guns only to, quote, shoot snakes. Oh, wow. So. That, that's, that's the worst Second Amendment argument I've heard yet. Well, you know that old saying, if you outlaw guns, then only snakes will have guns. I think that's yes. how that goes. Oh, OK. Good argument. So besides murdering reptiles, Susan said that the youth camp was going to include, quote, Shakespeare, art, music, poetry, science and ancient Greek, saying the Zoning Commission staff did recommend approval of the camp permit for one year, only providing that, quote, under no circumstances would armed guards or weapons be allowed on the campgrounds. So great. You know, now we're now we've got a youth camp overrun with snakes, snakes with guns. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> the worst kind of snakes. So the get residents these, of get these oh. motherfucking guns <laughs> out of the hands of these motherfucking snakes, snakes with hands. Always good. So the residents of Loudoun considered the LaRouche organization a bunch of armed ideologues. So what do the LaRouche's people think? 
Well, a spokesman for LaRouche's organization said that the true opposition is, quote, the Leesburg Garden Club, a wealthy Northern Virginian equestrians on, quote, the dope lobby and unnamed communists and sodomists. So forget the press. Sodomists. Sodomists. (laughs) Sodomists are bad. But as we're going to learn later in this episode, the worst kind of sodomist is a homo-siddle sodomist. Also, forget the press. The Leesburg Garden Club is the true enemy of the people. Oh, yeah. Well, the fact is, as we remember, in the last episode, Willis Carto had identified before LaRouche the true enemy. Remember that? And fact of the matter, Leesburg. Oh, boy. Oh, that is. That's definitely a sign of Zionism. Absolutely. So LaRouche wrote in the weekly paper, the Loudoun Times Mirror, that, quote, radical and liberal members of the Loudoun community were circulating the same, quote, wild lies about him as circles that take the Soviet side against me. The article continues, at other times, he has said that he and his wife Helga are the targets of assassins in the pay of narcotics gangsters, liberals, Zionists, agents of Moscow, the Rockefellers, the Trilateral Commission, the Queen of England, and international terrorism, generally. Just your general terrorism. Come, you know, cover all your bases that way. Whoa, 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 whoa. General international terrorism. You know, all terrorists outside the U.S., they have a common agenda, and that is to assassinate the greatest economist of our times. Yes. <laughs> you know what, though, guys? I was believing what LaRouche was saying up until this point. I've now become skeptical. I've noticed the Bilderberg group is not in that list. Oh, oh that's a good right. point. Um, why, why the omission? I believe something suspicious that's, is going on. Also, no suspect. Council of Foreign Relations. That Yeah. You know what? I'm starting, to, I'm starting to question... Whether or not uh, was the UN mentioned, or was that that was not the UN? Right? The UN. Well, the I mean, he oh, mentioned Zionists, so we all know it's no, one of the same. same. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. So he's fine on that front, but everything else is a bit. Yeah, it's a little skeptical. Yeah, he did little... include the main enemy, the Zionists, so I'll I'll give it a pass. <laughs> I think that's. But he's we fine. need to. We have to be tough on our conspiracy theorists. They can't just throw out Zionist. We, we know the truth that they control everything, but if he wants legitimacy, he has to be specific, I say. I agree. According to this article, the LaRouche cult bought in, quote, $2.3 million worth of property and are leasing large units of office retail space. LaRouche has a payroll of around 200 people in the area, and he was regarded as, quote, an economic stimulus in the rural county. The article states, quote, residents have periodically complained to the police about the estate, especially when youngsters on horseback has strayed onto it and been intercepted by uniformed security men. Ooh. Yeah, well, you know, how else is Lurch supposed to contact Mr. Ed if he doesn't ride up on his property? Sorry, kids. He's got to get up there. And I looked and behold, a talking horse and his name that sat on him was LaRouche and the humanist elite followed with him. By the way, make sure you check out the Book of Revelations, episode one of None Dare Call It Ordinary. Episodes one and two yeah. of Book of Revelations coming every, right at you. Every saga has We go a through a verse by verse, painfully. So let me continue with the article. We do have a lot of calls from our citizens who say they're afraid of these people, said the Loudoun County Sheriff, John Isom. Speaking of Mr. LaRouche, James Kenwell Chief of the town police added, you got a little old, quiet country town here, and all of a sudden he's got armed guards and this strange political thing, and it's really <laughs> stirring people up. They just don't understand it. I, I don't really understand it either. But. You know, I think you just have to empty your brain of all that David Hume brainwashing, and then it comes together. Ah, yeah, true. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's all that empiricism that's just destroying you. Mm-hmm. It's that deductionist 
conspiracy that you're a part of. Sure. Also, this whole thing, it's just reminding me of that uh, the Wild Wild Country oh, yeah. uh, series on Netflix and the, the uh, Rajneeshis in Oregon. It's kind of the same story. But the LaRouche people are way weirder. <laughs> so I think the main Strange, difference. Strangely enough. Yeah. yeah. So another fun treat for the residents of the Leesburg town was that in June, 300 plus recruits came to LaRouche's National Democratic Policy Committee by bus from all over the country. And they piled into the town's volunteer firehouse. The article states, quote, at lunchtime, the visitors went into nearby stores and according to the police, scores of them began a binge of shoplifting that one merchant said was, quote, like a plague of locusts. <laughs> also, if you enjoy things like locust plagues, like, you know, Forrest mentioned earlier, you might enjoy our first uh, first episodes uh, on the Book of Revelations. I'll keep plugging that. Yeah. And the locusts that are discussed in the Book of Revelation probably look a lot more like LaRouche supporters than actual locusts. So this is a really good tie in here. Yeah. So apparently the LaRouche organization paid back the sole merchandise to the uh, storekeepers and no charges were filed. So that's good. Uh, besides shoplifting, the Russians uh, loved to interrupt speeches as well. So once during a speech by a- Assistant Secretary of State for European Affairs, Richard R. Burt, a Russian shouted, you're a Soviet agent. You're an enemy agent. You're a traitor to the United States. Wow. You know, I do prefer that to the time when Alex Jones shouted behind Chris Matthews, 9-11 was an inside job. 9-11 Ooh, was an inside job. You know, I got to say, Bert's move was far <laughs> oh, more yeah. Tactful. Oh, yeah. Once again, LaRouche and company, masters of subtlety. Yes. That's, that is their stock and trade. All right. So now we're going to go on to the section LaRouche at a bookstore not near you because no one probably listening to this lives anywhere near. Unless you're in Leesburg, Virginia. Unless you're in Leesburg. So at the opening of the Ben Franklin bookstore on South King Street, in case anyone wants to check it out in Leesburg, Virginia, surrounded by his own security, LaRouche shook hands with fans of his books. Well, you know, wait a minute, like people actually read LaRouche's books. I think this prompts the age old philosophical conundrum. Can you really read nonsense? Is it possible? Well, they were definitely buying them and they were definitely looking at them. Okay. (laughs) They were opening them and their eyes were connecting to the page. But other than that, I'm not really sure we can say. Oh, it's one of those just old philosophical problems that can never be solved, I guess. Yep. So LaRoche says to John Mintz of the Washington Post staff writer, he says, the Soviets officially declared war on me. Whoa. But, you know, I don't know who can who among us can forget that really dark day in history. It was all over the news. Soviet Union officially declares war on LaRouche. Everyone knew about it. Yeah. I think that would have ended the Cold War. I think everybody yeah. in the U.S. would have been like, oh, finally. LaRouche informs Mintz that the, quote, former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger, who we'll get to later, is behind the assassination plot against him. Mm. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure he's too busy being the true gayest human, actually. What? So. Wait, what? Our listeners didn't know that? Are our listeners confused by learning that Henry Kissinger is the gayest human ever? You'll have to get a little further into the episode where <laughs> we're going to get into it. Trust big me. Reveal it's gonna be, at the end. It's going to be mighty controversial. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So in this interview, LaRoche reveals what we all really already know about him in our in our hearts and our minds that, quote, I'm probably the best economist in the world today. I'm also <laughs> one of the best informed people in the world. We have influence on governments. You know, I got to say the qualifier probably truly shows LaRoche's deep humility. Oh, here. true. Oh, for certain. But he's it's only he only qualified being the best economist with probably he knows for certain he is one of the best informed so that he (laughs) doesn't need any qualifier for that. No. He also said that Walter F. Mondale is an quote 
agent of influence of the KGB, the Soviet secret police. He accuses Mondale as well as Kissinger and McGeorge Bundy, the former Ford Foundation president and presidential advisor, of being KGB agents. LaRouche stated that he had tape recordings of two phone calls made by Mitch Snyder, who is an activist for the homeless, to his associates, which threatened LaRouche's life. According to the article, quote, LaRouche dismissed the fact that Snyder was immobilized in bed from a hunger strike on behalf of the homeless during that period. <laughs> Please, what a lame excuse. But it was such a snowflake. I'm too busy over here starving myself to protest world hunger to discuss assassination plans. Please. You know, when LaRouche is starved for attention, that takes precedence over actual starvation. Absolutely. Every time. So outside of the bookstore, a group of Affiliated with LaRouche, the Schiller Institute was holding a parade to celebrate the 225th anniversary of the birth of German poet Friedrich Schiller. Apparently, this was LaRouche and his wife Helga's favorite poet. With classic pieces by Brahms, of course, who else? The people at the event joined in singing happy birthday to Schiller. Unfortunately, at that very moment, the ghost of Schiller, in the form of an orb, of course, was hovering around a crop circle in England, so oh, he missed out. That's too bad. <laughs> There's actually, there was a West German Schiller youth uh, who were definitely not Nazis, and they must have been very upset that the, his orb didn't visit them. Yeah. <laughs> what is he doing hanging out in England? Yeah, he's got to get those got to get those crops down. Yeah. So point. of all the poets, why Schiller, you may ask? Well, Nancy Spanis the head of the company that owns the bookstore and editor of the group's New Solidarity newspaper explains, quote, we want to revive the ideas of the American Revolution and the German classical period, which are the ideas that man's freedom lies in his reason. Indeed. It's always reasonable to join a political cult, I say. It's also just, that's just a straight up Kantian idea, <laughs> which is weird given what we're going to learn about LaRue shortly. Oh, yeah. Not a fan. We'll just put it that way for now. So we've got LaRouche just terrifying people in Virginia. They don't want to deal with this maniac. But let's step back. Let's get the bigger picture here before we go on. Because LaRouche isn't just scaring these, these townsfolk. He's got a huge conspiracy theory about the entirety of human history that is backing him in his movement. He doesn't have time for these small town politics. And so now we need to get into his view about the oligarchy. Spooky, spooky. <laughs> so we already talked about LaRouche's move from Marxism to fascism, but it's even more intense than that. What he replaced it with is a 3,000-year-long struggle between the, quote, Neoplatonic humanists on the one hand and the, quote, oligarchy on the other. As Dennis King puts it, quote, LaRouche's theory of the struggle between two secret elites is perhaps the closest thing to a system of total multi-dimensional paranoia ever invented in the United States. <laughs> so with that out of the way, who exactly wow. who exactly makes up the oligarchy? Well, come on, of course it's the Jews. Of course they're involved. Oh, I I didn't see that coming. If we made something similar to like an evolutionary tree of life poster for conspiracy theories, the Jew would be like the Luca at the top, you know, at the or actually at the bottom of the tree where all the branches sprout from. <laughs> Just the Jew. Although in this case, it's all, Babylon. All, ro all roads lead back to Israel. As any good conspiracy theory would, the protocols of the elders of Zion make an appearance. Classic. And if our listeners aren't aware, the protocols of the elders of Zion was a, a forgery made, I believe, towards the end, if I'm not mistaken, of the Russian Empire. So like late yeah. 19th century, early 20th century. And it's supposedly basically the meeting minutes 
of the international Jewish conspiracy, but of course it's all fake and baloney. But people still think it's real to this day. Wait, Dylan, you just wait, hold on, You saying it ain't real, man? It's not real. I'm sorry. Oh, it just isn't real. It. Okay. And LaRouche uses the protocols, but according to King, quote, they were too narrow in scope for the purposes of total paranoia. <laughs> so he got a, you know, he had to branch out. Instead, LaRouche admits that the protocols have a, quote, hard kernel of truth, Jesus. but just don't tell the whole story. Oh. But he's not always explicit about all this. He refers to them as, quote, anti-human bestialists hmm. and, quote, parasites who cooked up the hoax called the Old Testament. And again, just talking about Zionists, not Jews. Yeah, definitely, definitely not Jews, just Zionists. The Jews, or Zionists, who apparently predate the Old Testament of Babylon, created the Old Testament, brainwashed the Jewish masses with it, and then sent them to Judea as a strategic military colony. Wow. But even he has to admit that a large component of the oligarchy are the, quote, Jewish usurers, a continuous and often dominant element. So even he's got to admit we can't be PC all the time. Mm, we yeah. just got to call it the way we see it. True. So now we know who the oligarchy is. Well, what do they want? Apparently, they are really into regular culls of the human race through disease and starvation. Right now, they want to return the world to a, quote, new dark age, which includes a nuclear holocaust, massive spread of AIDS, zero growth, and, quote, total bestial heteronomy. So, I mean, that all sounds kind of fun, frankly. Um, <laughs> and don't think this is the first time they've attempted to destroy civilization either. They have destroyed all centers of progress they have managed to influence from Atlantis to Rome. Yes, Atlantis. <laughs> The, quote, scientist astronomers ruled Atlantis, but were defeated by the ancestors of Babylon, the evil magician astrologers. Oh my God. And at this point, I don't know if LaRouche is trying to foment a political conspiracy or GM the greatest game of Dungeons and Dragons of all time. <laughs> I mean, this is just incredible. Uh, I wish LaRouche would have just gotten heavily into LARPing instead or something like that. Oh, man, me too. Me Much too. Better. I, I do want to point out to our listeners that in LaRouchean doublespeak, just as the words Jews and Nazis are used in the opposite way they're used in English, the same goes for science and anti-science, just so everyone oh, yeah. knows that. Oh, yeah. Be very aware of that. Most definitely. 3,000 years ago, their headquarters were in Babylon, which, of course, they ruined. <laughs> Then they moved to Rome and then Venice during the Renaissance area and finally to London, which is their home nowadays. <sighs> All the way they have battled the valiant humanists who wanted productive investment, science, technology, and quote, city building. So I guess the paradigm oligarch then is Ted Kaczynski because he didn't want to be a part of any of those <laughs> things. <laughs> uh, and as we know, of course, when LaRouche made himself more palatable for a mainstream audience, he talks about the British, how the mm -hmm. British control everything. I do want to point out how the non-Jewish Babylonian Israelis went to London in the end. But that's just a coincidence, mm -hmm. too. It has nothing to do with what he means by Britain. Yeah, no, no, no coincidence. <laughs> yes. Uh, it should be noted that equating Babylonians with Jews is nothing new. The book The Merchants of Babylon by Reverend Bertrand L. Comparet features four rabbis on the cover. So, you know, subtle. Along with the Babylonians, LaRouche also rails against the Persians, who supposedly destroyed the ancient world. Again, it is very common in conspiracy circles and basically Nazi circles to link the Persians and the Jews, done so both by Oswald Spangler, uh -huh. who thought that they controlled the Persian Empire, 
and Houston Stuart Chamberlain, who thought Jews were the puppets of the Persian Empire. But now, as was already said, the main force behind the oligarchy is London. And Mary Poppins is about to get dark as fuck. Oh, oh yeah. It's gonna oh, get yeah. Really dark. A spoonful of LaRouche makes the oligarchy go down. <laughs> the oligarchy go down. The oligarchy go down. Just a spoonful of LaRouche helps the oligarchy go down in a most delightful way. Exactly. Mary Poppins part two coming at you. <laughs> part three, actually, but. So the British are the prime target of LaRouche's conspiracy thinking, uh, and British, of course, in quotation marks. They play the same role as the reptilians for David Icke, yeah. including the possibility, the strong possibility of anti-Semitic metaphor or code word. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure one day we'll have a thing or two to say about the Ikester, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm definitely. sure he'll show he up is, eventually. He's on the list. We just, we cannot yet have a 20-part series. Uh, we want to work up to that. LaRouche claims that Queen Elizabeth is, in fact, the world's greatest drug pusher, and that Britain is the chief enemy of the United States, which maybe makes Brexit, you know, a little more palatable then. So who knows? Also, they want to starve billions in the third world. Oh, so in case you wanted to know that. That goes without saying. Yeah, definitely. Now, of course, of course, LaRouche isn't just using British as code word for international Jewry. No. But he has slipped on occasion, oh. we have to admit. So first, in his book, The Case of Walter Littman, the word British is followed immediately by Rothschild in parentheses. <laughs> the triple parentheses having not been invented when that book came out. <laughs> okay, so Rothschild equals British equals Jew in any order. I'm just trying to make sure I get this. Yeah, yeah you know, as, really as long as... As long as that interchangeability isn't considered exhaustive, I'd say that's pretty solid anti-Semitism 101. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He also makes this a little bit more explicit in his essay, Anti-Dirigism is British Tory Propaganda. Dirigism is, according to Wikipedia, an economic doctrine in which the state plays a strong directive role as opposed to a merely regulatory role over a capitalist market economy. So in case, you know, a little bit of edification for our listeners. LaRouche says, quote, the policy shaping kernel of the enemy forces centered in the British monarchy is a group of private banking families. These are notably the family interests of the Lazard brothers, Barings, N.M. Rothschild, Hill Samuel, and other small private banking houses. Britain, these same family's interests, has controlled the international opium traffic since early during the 19th century. In case you missed it, all but one of those families is Jewish. And see, how could it be anti-Semitic then? Yeah, the Lizard brothers are clearly lizards, reptilians. <laughs> That's how you know it's not anti-Semitic. He threw one lizard in there. That's the key. Also, in a 1978 issue of New Solidarity, the cover featured a Star of David with Queen Elizabeth along with Henry Kissinger oh, and Milton. Dylan, I have to interrupt you. Sheriff oh, Star. Oh, Sheriff. I'm, I'm sorry. Featured a Sheriff Star. <laughs> sheriff Star, <laughs> yes. It featured a Sheriff Star with Queen Elizabeth <laughs> along with Henry Kissinger and Milton Friedman. The caption referred to, quote, satanic connections. Oh, yes. Another great band name. Yeah, Paul Potter has some serious competition. I also thought point. it would be a good name for a dating app if you wanted to meet some of your, you know, <laughs> get some satanic love going on. One Briton is even singled out among the pack as the most evil. And no, it's not the queen, huh. but Bertrand Russell, <laughs> quote, the most evil man of the 20th century. Again, that is a quote. I get it. If you've ever tried to read Russell's Principia Mathematica, it's a bit of a slog. 
but yeah. this seems still a little hyperbolic. I a don't little, think that makes little. you the most evil man I mean, of the 20th it's, century. It's maddening as like set theory is. I, I, I got to say that it is hyperbolic. Yeah, a little bit. And so why? So what is Bertrand Russell doing? The basic reason that I was able to, if I could sum up, is that Russell argued for the construction of nukes and the UN, which is, of course, a scheme of world government hegemony. So that's the basic story about why he's so evil. Take that as you will. So why are the British such assholes, you might ask? Simple. They aren't even human. (laughs) (laughs) Because the British are, quote, biologically incapable of understanding what is true and good. (laughs) The artifacts of their civilization must be totally destroyed, quote, in the last rock song, in the oldest medieval parchment, in our own thought processes. Oh, can't we at least just keep something from them? Like Monty, Monty Python, Mighty Boosh? No. I don't know. No. Nothing. No. Absolutely not. Those are the it's worst exports. These ideas first appeared in LaRouche's book, Dialectical Economics, where he argued that there were two breeds of capitalists, the industrial capitalist and the usurer, that were akin to two separate species. And guess which the British is? None of the above. No, no, man, they're the usurers. Oh, Aren't yeah, you paying no. attention? Sorry. The God. Babylonian Israeli non-Jewish usurers. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I've been paying, paying attention. attention. See, Finally. Can you give me a gold star for paying attention? I can give you a gold star. And uh, I will. Both of you are getting a quiz at the end of this just to make sure you're all nice. keeping all this in. I, I got I got it. I know <laughs> Later in the essay, The Secrets Known Only to the Inner Elites from 1978. LaRouche directly talked about the ideas of Soviet agricultural scientist Lysenko, who argued that evolution can occur due to environmental factors in only one generation, and two totally different species could result in only a few generations. Ah, creationists will be happy. You can get a crocodile into a duck in just one generation. Yep, yep. exactly. Lysenko and was totally right about this. Yeah, just for all our listeners, so everyone knows, he was... Lysenko was absolutely correct about everything he said. Yes. Every utterance was true. Thanks. Yes. True science. So let's go. How does LaRouche kind of take this idea? Due to the social and cultural environment of the British, along with a smattering of inbreeding, (laughs) this is precisely what happened to them. Oh, poor Charles Darwin. When studying evolution, he discovers he's not even human. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, he's (laughs) not good. It's yeah. He's something else. Something else. This is all apparently nature's way of punishing the British for engaging in usury and the opium trade. As a result of these practices, the British can no longer grasp, quote, spiritual truths. As LaRue says, quote, there is a higher reality which the British are incapable of comprehending (laughs) that exists beyond the domain of deduction, which they are limited by. (laughs) Continuing this quote. The ruling British elite are like animals, not only in their morality, but in their outlook on knowledge. They are clever animals who are masters of the wicked nature of their own species and recognize fairly the distinctions of the hated human species. Wow, that's great. It's great. And he gets better. Quote, I know the British mind very well. It is a lower order of mentality, which I can study as I watch the fish in an aquarium. Uh, I'm confused on what he's saying. Is he is he comparing British to fish here? Could could we get some uh, chips to go along with this comparison? Uh, no. Uh, Sorry. Oh. Uh, yeah. yeah, but I don't think you want to dip it like in an aquarium oh, water because that would be gross. real gross. I'm, I'm also just wondering, uh, how does LaRouche account for when exactly um, Americans 
like broke off from the British because we do come from the British yeah. Empire, and I'm wondering like how infected we are by the British. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering if we can actually get it all out. I mean, this is why we gotta find only the pure Germans because those are basically the good people. Oh, I see. Yeah, and I think I, if I'm not if I'm understanding Lysenko correctly, Larouche might be able to kind of modify a British person to oh. eventually. Become one of the golden souls, which we're going to talk about in a little bit here. Lysenko is the way forward. Okay, I got it. So, but you definitely want to start with a more of a German. That's definitely a better (laughs) starting point for sure. But you know, if you lock a British guy in a closet for a few generations and beat him with sticks until he starts reading Schiller and listening to Brahms, I'm sure he'll be all right in the end. Yeah. So now the British are evil animals. Who do they think their enemy is? Who are they fighting against in the 20th and now 21st century? LaRouche, of course. Are you not paying attention? He's the head of the humanist elite. (laughs) The British inner circles recognized LaRouche as, quote, the ancient and feared adversary of their own evil species as their potential destroyer. So when they've learned about LaRouche's glorious crusade, what's their reaction? How do they react to it? Quote, They tense, growling such phrases as potential danger, more dangerous than Hitler. Kill it before it succeeds in getting a real foothold in shaping events. Growling fish. This is turning into the book of Revelations again (laughs) real fast. Also, not just growling fish, but those are pretty impressive growls, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, You know, when I try to growl, I can't really get words out. I do want all the listeners to, I just want to point out for everybody, of course, everything Dylan said in that whole section, he was referring specifically to the British, not the Jews at all. Just. Yeah. Yes. 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 Exactly. Yes. Um, That's very important to say. As we're going to learn, the totally not Jewish Zionists kind of are playing the field, so to speak. But we're we're going to get there. Don't you worry. So speaking of anti-Semitism, we got even more racism for you. We tackled some of this in the last episode, but he gets LaRouche gets way more specific. (laughs) So let's just list some of these out here. The Chinese are paranoid people who share, quote, with lower forms of animal life, a fundamental distinction from actually human personalities. <laughs> the irony of LaRouche leaving a group of people paranoid is, is great. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Brent, you are missing the fact that, as the enlightened LaRouche points out, they're not people. Oh, so, that's that. true. But, but, you know, this incidentally also makes LaRouche more racist than Adolf Hitler. Wow. Quote, yeah. So here is quoting Hitler. I have never regarded the Chinese or the Japanese as being inferior to ourselves. They belong to ancient civilizations. And I admit freely that their past history is superior to our own. So, man, when you're to the right of Hitler on racism, you know something is deeply, (laughs) deeply wrong. Also, I want to keep this quote for when any modern day race realist says that they're not white supremacists because they love Asians so much. If that means that by that logic, Hitler is not a white supremacist. And then, well, oh, you're so right. Yeah. Oh, keep that. Yes. Keep that. Yes. quote. OK. What about African-Americans? African-Americans, uh, specifically ones fighting for civil rights, care about distinctions, quote, proper to the classification of varieties of monkeys and baboons. <laughs> and baboons are monkeys. Oh. This man would top the charts in stupidity if he wasn't clouded so much by his, him being totally evil. So <laughs> Yeah, you know, and again, it's a public service announcement at NDCIO, the importance of paying attention to and versus or. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. 
All right, let's move on to other inferior races. The Puerto Ricans belong to a culture based on, quote, macho pathology Uh and crazed blood oaths. Oh, blood cults are fine, just not blood oaths. That's exactly. That's fine. You know, guys, I, I... I got to say, this explains why Puerto Ricans obviously enjoy getting paper towels thrown at them like they're basketballs <laughs> and enjoying seeing their public officials trash on Twitter yes. following their communities being destroyed by a hurricane. Yeah. So now that you've mentioned this, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. Italians are obsessed with churches, whorehouses, and images of the Virgin Mary, whose, quote, goddamn smile LaRouche <laughs> would remove from public view by closing Italian churches. That's just perfect. I yeah. don't know what to say. Yeah, you know, I hope LaRouche has a Marian apparition before dying, and I hope she's smiling. But baby Mary. Yeah, definitely a baby yeah. Mary. And this also this also segues into our talk earlier about LaRouche and his kind of alignment with the set of accountists. I mean, I think this definitely just throws it out the window. Really did not like the Virgin Mary, which is really bizarre. <laughs> Goddamn smile. Really upset about it. Irish Americans, who I I am included, uh, I have mostly Irish ancestry, display an ethnic piggishness <laughs> involved in, quote, hideous mind and body eroding orgies of fertility. I wish LaRouche would just say that to Conor McGregor's face and if we just watch him. I'd like to see it. <laughs> just let him. Just let him sit. Indigenous tribes, including the people of Brazil's Amazon basin, bear a, quote, likeness to a lower beast. <laughs> More Book of Revelations. There we go. Yeah, that's the water beast as yeah. opposed to the land beast, I would imagine. So you can only imagine how LaRouche feels about the United States' treatment of indigenous Americans and conquests of Mexican territories. Probably really progressive, really enlightened. <laughs> quote, was it correct for the American branch of European humanist culture to absorb the territories occupied by a miserable, relatively bestial culture of indigenous Americans? Absolutely. <laughs> That's in italics, by the way. Was it correct to absorb the areas taken in the Mexican-American War? Historically, yes, for the same reason. Uh, very fine people. Oh, yeah. Oh. After all, quote, we do not regard all cultures and nations as equally deserving of sovereignty or survival. Dylan, again, he said or, implying that <laughs> sovereignty sovereignty or survival is at least possible for these lower races. So your attempts <laughs> to brand LaRouche are racist and pathetic. Yeah, you, you know, you're right. You're right. I just I, Racist or pathetic. Or pathetic. <laughs> it could or be pathetic. one or the other. It could be one or the other. Okay, so there's one group on this list. When you think about LaRouche, his heyday was, you know, during the Cold War, he had a very Marxist background. You'll notice the Ruskies aren't on this list yet. So how does he feel about them? Well, LaRouche has managed not one, but two separate theories on why the Russians suck so much. Yeah. His first theory, developed in the late 70s and early 80s, insisted that the Soviet Union was much like the U.S., full of British agents who were not yet fully in control of the uh, respective countries. Oh, man, I miss the good old days in the U.S. where you could turn a corner without bumping into a British agent. Those are the days. <laughs> yeah, they're everywhere Just, now. Yep. Ivan the Terrible even tried to eliminate all the British influence, but even he failed. What a loser. What a loser, and he was their best shot. But starting in 1984, he began saying that the Russian people themselves were subhuman. This apparently made STI an even easier sell. But, you, you know, know seriously, for a second, if you really believe the Russians were subhuman, wouldn't it actually make SDI harder to buy? After all, why would you be afraid of subhumans in the race for the conquest of outer space? There's just a lot of them. Oh. And, you know, you, it's, I think, more efficient. I think There's it's about so many of them they can just point. pile on each other until they reach the <laughs> upper stratosphere. Oh, that's a, <laughs> that's a good point. I didn't think about <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, well, you, you know. just made me think of it. So. Yeah, it's oh, like World War yeah. Z. Yeah. When we naturally 
literally replace our own thinking with LaRouche's, we can see all these solutions we're coming up with. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's truly inspiring. It turns out that the Russians have been dominated by an evil culture for a thousand years, which, like the British, also descended from Babylon. Again, not the Jews. Not the Jews. Now, this domination, originating in Byzantium and the evil Orthodox Church, oh, also Fuck. wanted world domination, like the British, whose goal was turning Moscow into the third Rome. Oh, oh, and the Jews are part of the same species, all oh. descending from a Semitic Magian culture, <laughs> common to Jews, Arabs, and Orthodox Christians. Uh, so, you know, that is just true. You know, I'm just, it's just true. Just I'm sorry. The way it is. Unlike the cathedral-building Promethean Faustian Germans, these magicians like to hang out in caves. Oh, you know, whenever I walk into a cave, I always look for Lance Burton, but I never find him. I'm always very upset by that. <laughs> oh, man. You got to look in a literal rabbit hole. Actually. Oh, that's where you find these people. Yeah, I, w I would. But yeah, LaRouche destroyed my literal rabbit hole, so I can't do that. <laughs> so what are we going to do about these folks besides hitting them with beam weapons? Referencing Mount Athos, the center of Orthodox Christianity, LaRouche says, quote, It is about time someone bombed the holy mountain, its monks, its monasteries, and everything in it. Bomb it thoroughly, systematically, and completely so that nothing of its evil legacy survives. You know, the higher peace movement. Yeah, it's coming yeah. from on high, and there will be a lot exactly. of peace afterward. <laughs> so let's sum up, because I this grandiose, totally true history of the world, you know, it's a whirlwind. So let's sum up. Basically, there are four separate species. The British Jewish hierarchy, I mean, excuse me, the British Zionist hierarchy, the Russian Zionist hierarchy, the bestial masses, and then human beings. So who are the actual human beings all involved? Well, LaRouche and his followers. Those are the only human uh, beings well, left. Of course. But LaRouche's goal is the creation of a fifth master race, which oh. we've never heard before. No. Never Quote, the objective of my life is to contribute to bringing men and women out of the wretched condition of sensuous donkeys and incompletely human silver souls to contribute to making of our species a race of golden souls. Eh, pass. This reference to silver and golden souls from Plato's Republic. This is a terrible remake of Thus Spoke Zarathustra. Man is but a bridge between the ape and LaRouche. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because that bridge goes backwards. I don't even know how that works. <laughs> but there, in the 80s, there was a lot standing in the way of creating the golden souls but one of them was definitely AIDS, and Brent has more to say about that. Yes. In a New York Times article titled, LaRouche Turns to AIDS Politics, David L. Kerr writes, Lyndon H. LaRouche Jr. and his political camp followers have taken up a new cause. They are out to make prejudice against AIDS victims respectable. <laughs> Which is kind of a weird way to phrase that, but, you know, I get the drift, I guess. Yeah, I also, it's weird because it was definitely already acceptable <laughs> to, have, to be well, prejudiced yeah, against AIDS victims know. at the time. That was totally fine. Yeah, I mean, as Carl Sagan once said, though not really, Extraordinary weirdness requires extraordinary characterization. <laughs> oh, yes. I forgot about that. I forgot non quote. Yeah. So, on the ballot in California in November of 1986 was Luge's initiative, which had public health authorities and doctors fearing that they would be forced to start testing people on a mass scale for AIDS. Some even feared a quarantine of all California citizens who have been exposed to someone with AIDS. So, what was some of LaRouche's views on AIDS? Okay. Well, quote, according to LaRouche's scenario, AIDS is a plot by the Soviet war machine to conquer of America course. or else a plot by the International Monetary Fund to wipe out the, quote, excess eaters from starving Africa. 
So we can, mm-hmm. you know, we all we've all seen those, you know, pictures of poor people in Africa with big bellies. It's just not good. Yeah, the, that's yeah, not the excess. Eaters, yeah, excess right? eaters caught on camera. Caught on camera. And as I say, the camera does not lie. Yes. But cameras also can't make up for ignorance and misinterpretations. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Sadly, I also just like really spitballing with these two totally different theories about what's going on. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even notice. I that. know. <laughs> Lush also claimed that, quote, a person with AIDS running around is like a person with a machine gun running around. You know, this is true. They're totally harmless until they start shooting. Am I right? <laughs> oh, you know, I've heard I, the only way to stop a bad guy of AIDS is a good guy of AIDS. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Actually, can you imagine, though, a machine gun packing person who also has AIDS? That is like the most deadly human of all time, really. Oh, oh yeah. God. That's horrible. So he also thought that homosexuals were, quote, engineering an AIDS cover up and their desire to do something, anything to stop the disease will make scapegoating look like a solution. You know, LaRouche's projections have never been more projectier than with that (laughs) statement. (laughs) So LaRouche's cult following started a committee called PANIC, which stands for Prevent AIDS Now Initiative Committee. They persuaded nearly 700,000 Californians to sign a petition which put the initiative called Proposition 64 on the ballot, which was more than twice the number needed. Oh, yes. Panic. More of that subtlety we talked about. Yes. Yeah, very subtle. But I still prefer the original harm only lets you find unusual cures kindly. Holy fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the California state health director said the proposal will require AIDS testing for all 27 million California citizens. So, yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these folks aren't even getting vaccinated. So how do they think this is <laughs> yeah. going to work? And as you can all see, this is obviously not an attack on the gay no, community. No. LaRouche wants everyone tested. You know, man, Scott Adams really misses true heyday here. I'm sure you'd have tons of fun telling people how they hallucinated that LaRouche was anti-gay. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, hallucinating oh, yeah. all day long. And public health officials in California say that Proposition 64 would force AIDS victims to lose their jobs and be driven underground. Like in the sewers, I guess. I don't. Well, I mean that makes sense. I mean, after all, Lelouch's twisted worldview, homosexuals are subhuman rat-like things. Oh, okay. So I guess that's you know why Lelouch really supports Proposition sixty-four. He just wants to send him home. Yeah. <laughs> this also. Oh, that's nice. This also probably would have worked out as a kind of you know gentrification, and then the sewers would have become really cool. Um, <laughs> that's true. They also said that a quarantine is totally ineffective and also inhuman. So in truth, they state AIDS is rather hard to contract. The New York Times article lists the specific statistics on which the California economy would be hurt. So nearly $3 billion for 1987 alone. Also, the effects would include the loss of $2.3 billion in economic output, plus $630 million in lost tax revenues, and increased unemployment, insurance premiums, and testing costs. So just a little, Gosh, a little bit. Yeah. The enemy of the people pulling so-called facts yeah. out of yeah, their ass again. Really that's, what that's what that yeah. is. Also, they're ignoring the cost if you don't pass Proposition 64, which is the cost of the nuclear war that will break out (laughs) due to gay Soviet terrorism or something. I mean, you know, that's that's not going into their facts. Yep. And California's homosexual community united in fighting this initiative. So that's good. Raising three million dollars. The article says, quote, the list of opponents reads like a California who's who. Every leading politician has come out against it. Leading medical researchers are lining up to be heard. So it's a virtual red carpet of AIDS enthusiasts. Yeah, you know, or as LaRouche would put it, you know, the true scapegoaters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So these opponents against the bill won a significant victory as a California judge removed some of LaRouche's more absurd claims from the ballot pamphlet sent to all the voters saying, quote, there is no credible evidence that AIDS is easy to get or that it is spread by mosquitoes. 
So he did, however, keep in the part about AIDS being spread through brand new Band-Aids. So that's not a good joke, actually. <laughs> you know, uh, I would say LaRouche's ideas are like AIDS of the brain. I mean, just as in... <laughs> Just as in AIDS, your immune system stops functioning with LaRouchean assault on the mind. Nice. Your neurons stop functioning. So it's very yeah. similar. I'll, in all fairness to LaRouche here, yeah. you know, when I worked to kill mosquitoes as my job last summer, this would have been great advertising. Oh, just man. Like, totally. You know, <laughs> mosquitoes, malaria, and AIDS. You can get it all. You can get it both. <laughs> they would have been rushing to come to us. So LaRouche didn't just go after ultra gay California with his AIDS conspiracy. He promoted, quote, universal screening and isolating or quarantining all individuals in the active carrier states. The article states nationwide, that's upward to 2 million people. If Leonard LaRouche wins in California, the nation's most populous state, politicians everywhere will start taking him seriously on the issue of AIDS. Yeah, you know, so. I take LaRouche very seriously. I, yeah, I take him seriously, and that is ideas are a serious menace to society. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there is a happy ending here um, to this segment because Proposition 64 was defeated by a margin 71% to 29%. So, yay. I mean, so sorry to dampen down the happy ending, but we have to oh, come come to grips with the fact that one third of California <laughs> voters the California voters at the time were total morons. So that's I, sorry to say. There's that. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, I'm glad that that's still not um, it's not the case anymore. True. And now, since, you know, speaking of people that are gay, it's time for good old Kissinger. Henry Kissinger. Yep. Oh, so wow. here we go. From LaRouche's speech on August 3rd, 1982. This is taken from that called The Kissinger, The Politics of uh, Faggotry. Oh, yep. that's again subtle right there. Just more, right more in the subtle. title. Believe it or not, I don't want to assume the politics or, you know, what side of, of history or debate any of our listeners on. But we're about to kind of. Come to the defense of Henry Kissinger. I, it's hard to believe. Yes, I mean, that is strange. All the, but we're going to do you it. Know, the illegal bombings of Cambodia, you know, <laughs> the overthrowing of Allende. We're going to just right. kind we'll of ignore that. that for a second. And, you know, yeah. by the way, this is also the part of the podcast I like to call Get the Kids Out of the Room. And yes. so if yeah. you're listening to this at work in your cubicle, put the headphones on now. Yes. The following language is rated NC32 by the Podcast Association of America for vulgarity, stupidity, and fact. So you've been warned. <laughs> yep. Yep. We're going to continue. Yes. It's going to so. be rough. All right. Here we go. So the speech begins with, quote, and I am quoting here. This is not me saying this. <laughs> yeah, very, very clear. So, quote, according to a variety of very authoritative sources, Henry A. Kissinger is not a Jew, but a faggot. Oh, by the way, there's a Crossfire episode featuring Lyndon LaRouge in which Pat Buchanan asks for these authoritative sources. Oh, nice. LaRouge responds with, quote, I am one of the authoritative sources. <laughs> Likewise, I am an authoritative source. That LaRouche is just a loser uh, at yes. this point. I, seriously, though, yeah. at this point, I think all of us are authoritative sources on yeah. that, for sure. <sighs> so after this uh, painful repulsion from that first <laughs> sentence here, so LaRouche, LaRouche wants us to understand he, quote, will not tolerate any denial of civil rights to a person who happens to be a homosexual. Oh, OK. OK. Well, so that's, okay. that's not bad. Reasonable. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold, hold up. Oh. Quote, oh. ordinarily, a homosexual is like an ordinary person suffering the affliction of nasty boils. Oh, at, so first, that's I, at first, strange. I thought he was going to go a different direction. So, yeah, I know. yeah, <laughs> damn it. Okay. So apparently, quote, the problem with Kissinger is not simply he has a homosexual personality, 
Rather is that he is, quote, like that of that flaming fascistic faggot, Roy M. Cohen. Oh, God, guys. By the way, you know, a little tidbit for our listeners. Roy Cohen happens to be Donald Trump's mentor who taught him the real art of the deal. Quote, Uh attack, counterattack, never apologize. Which I think pretty much sums up the entire Trump presidency so far. Also, Roy Cohn was Joseph McCarthy's right-hand man as well. Mm. Oh, and despite LaRouche's extreme hatred of Trump's mentor, uh, Mr. Cohn, LaRouche and LaRouche Pack would go on to support Trump's presidential bid. So there's some fun facts for you. Great. Yeah, so it's, it's common. There's that phrase, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. But they went with, the friend of my enemy is my friend. Which is... <laughs> The lesser known version of that phrase there. Continuing on with the quote, psychologically, Henry is a distinct species. He is of the species some psychopathologists prefer to describe as an extreme anal variety of sadomasochist personality. Wow. Yeah. So LaRouche keeps it real and humble, as always, in his speech saying, quote, more lies have been told internationally about me than any living public figure of the past 10 years. I believe it. So that's true. Quote, most citizens have noticed about Kissinger that he explodes into irrational rages very easily. He exhibits a distinctively unmanly testiness. I see LaRouche's reaction to being lied about so much is to up his game and lie more about everyone else than any living public figure of the past 10 years. Which, you know. Yeah, gotta fight fire with fire. That's yeah. right. Quote, as long as he believes he is being admired, or admired for reasons of fear, Kissinger can be almost generous, more or less seductive, in the way some confidence men of the sort who wear too much perfume and too much jewelry often are with prospective, quote, suckers. Cross Kissinger, rip away his narcissistic anal self-delusions and his impulses turn instinctively homocidal. Wow. That's right. You heard that right. Unless it's a typo, I guess. I mean, he does say homocidal, assuming that's a cross between homosexual and homicidal. (laughs) Wow. Just saves time. (laughs) So besides being homocidal, I'm going to have to update my image of Kissinger now by adding jewelry and perfume. (laughs) I didn't realize that was part of his look. Yeah. Tons of bling. So in the grand finale here, quote, to understand the kind of faggot Henry Kissinger is, what Roy Cohen is, think back to the Emperor Nero and his court. Think of Studio 54, then of Nero's court, and then of Studio 54 again. <laughs> ah, fuck it, why not? Go back again. Nero, one more time around. Studio 54, Nero. Okay, I added that part. All right, think of Nero, and then of Kissinger, and then of Nero, and then of Roy M. Cohen. That is the kind of faggot Henry Kissinger is. That kind of faggotry destroyed Rome. Will you permit it also to destroy the United States? <laughs> Will you? Okay. Will you? Okay. So that includes the parent-teacher meeting this evening, everyone. Thanks for coming. <laughs> yeah. See you next month. I gotta say, I don't think I didn't think anyone could ever get me to defend Henry Kissinger and Roy Cohn, just two of the foulest <laughs> people to ever appear in American politics. But I'm afraid LaRouche is gonna have to make me do it. So here it is. These allegations against Mr. Kissinger and Mr. Cohen are factually wrong, bigoted, and insane. Shame on you, Lyndon <laughs> yes. LaRouche. Yeah, you, oh, you can take off, by the way, you can take off the headphones, everyone. Okay. There's one thing about this that I think is just straightforwardly, uncontroversially true. And that is how fun would a Roman-themed Studio 54 party be? Yes. We got to set that oh, up. Yes. Yes, I'm down. Let's do it. We'll call it the David Hume Club so that, you know, <laughs> LaRouche doesn't get wise and just want to <laughs> crash our party. 
So um, I'm going to be taking over the next section here, which is all about LaRouche Goes to Jail. And this is not to be confused with the Jim Varney classic, Ernest Goes to Jail. (laughs) Actually, that could work. LaRouche Goes to Jail. LaRouche Goes to Camp. You know, we learned about the children's camp earlier. LaRouche scared stupid. I don't know. <laughs> yep. Yeah, That's one yeah of the that happened decades ago. There's a whole series <laughs> of Jim Varney-esque LaRouche videos we can make. It was discovered by federal law enforcement that two corporations and three campaign committees associated with LaRouche were charging people's credit cards without their permission. In fact, $1 million worth of such charges were made. The prosecutor against LaRouche's associates was a certain Robert S. Mueller III. And you know, nobody knows who he is. So <laughs> Yeah, well, it's finally yeah. Mueller time. So Finally, finally. And we found the reason LaRouche went pro-Trump. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Revenge. So LaRouche's propaganda outlet, Executive Intelligence Review, calls the indictment against three LaRouche associates, quote, the biggest political witch hunt in the history of American law. And again, not that anyone's heard that said before either. So none of this is familiar, guys. Yeah, this is very bizarre. Yeah, this is just totally new. On October 6, 1986, federal agents raid the offices of LaRouche-affiliated organizations. They confiscate a plethora of documents from Edward S. Spanaus, principal spokesman and treasurer of the 1986 LaRouche presidential campaign. On October 8th, LaRouche, even though he claims he's totally innocent, releases the following statement, quote, Any arrest or attempt to arrest me would be an attempt to kill me. I will not submit passively to an arrest, but in such a scenario, I will defend myself. The Reagan administration will be condemned by history if such a scenario comes to pass. Wow. And, you know, once again... This sort of behavior is in no way similar to the kind of equally, you know, obviously innocent political figure. And now we know he's totally obvious because the report hasn't come out. We don't know anything. But yeah, none of this is familiar, guys. I like how Reagan went from giving one of the greatest speeches in American history to being condemned by history by trying to murder LaRouche. (laughs) If only he had used the same good judgment regarding LaRouche. As he did strategic defense initiative, we would all be living in paradise right now, but he must have lost something along the way. So on December 17th, 1986, three LaRouche associates are charged with obstruction of justice, including Spanos. At this time, however, LaRouche himself is not indicted for any crimes. And this, of course, proves once and for all that the feds have nothing on him. And it's clearly all just a big witch hunt against his underappreciated genius. Ah. That is until on January 27th, 1989, LaRouche is given a 15-year prison sentence for scamming the IRS and deliberately refusing to pay back $30 million in loans from his supporters. Uh, If only there was Twitter back then. That would have been... Oh, uh, man. LaRouche on Twitter? Yeah. Oh, my God. That'd be terrifying. (laughs) The only thing is, though, he he may not really win the Twitter war because Twitter is only like a a few characters you can yeah. put out and like he would go on these long philosophical treatises <laughs> and there'd be no way. Yeah. He would definitely break the record for longest Twitter thread. Yes. For I sure. By far, <laughs> by far. So in court, LaRouche tries to defend his crimes by essentially saying that his ends for world peace justified the unscrupulous means. The judge isn't impressed by this, however, and dismisses the argument as quote, errant nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> That's rough. That's yeah. rough. Uh, you know, I wanted to give the listeners a throwback to what I call classic LaRouche. That is, LaRouche contends that the whole trial was just a part of a broader assassination plot against him, hatched by the Queen of England, the CIA, and the Jews. I mean, I'm sorry, Zionists, saying, quote, 
The purpose of this frame up is not to send me to prison. It's to kill me. Wow. Also, um, just, you know, I, I kind of just want to throw this in here because I forgot to mention it earlier. He died of natural causes when he was 96 years old, <laughs> young, just a few weeks ago. Young. So yeah. all these people tried to assassinate him and it was just not good. They weren't doing a good job if that was their goal. <laughs> yep. So though LaRouche maintained that he was convicted for his political beliefs, juror Buster Horton had a slightly different take on the matter, saying, quote, we did not convict him for that. He was convicted for those 13 counts uh, he was on trial for. (laughs) (laughs) One of the signs being held by a LaRouche cultist outside of the courthouse had embroidered on it. Pardon LaRouche, kill Satan. Was it a pillow (laughs) embroidered? I don't. Oh, man, that would be that should have been. They would have had the best Etsy store. (laughs) Just more nukes, less kooks on a nice, you know, throw rug. Oh, it would be great. That's not the only part of the story where Satan fits in. In fact, we're only just starting with old screw tape. During his time in prison, LaRouche shared his cell with evangelical Christian cult leader Jim Baker, All right. also serving at the time for defrauding his own supporters, <laughs> and who incidentally is still actively scamming people to this very day. <laughs> LaRouche is reported to have told Baker, Jim, Satan does exist, and you may have displeased him. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I would have thought that Satan, you know, being the epitome of evil and father of lies, he would have been pleased with Jim Baker and Lyndon LaRouche scamming their followers. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah, know. Wait, 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 what? You're saying buckets of food slop for when the world ends is a scam? <laughs> I, I, I'm not to see if I'm returning these. I'm sorry to break it to you, Brett, but yes, oh, that's man, a scam. Gonna, that's what my uh, whole podcasting is built on. A bunch of buckets. <laughs> oh, shit. Brent, did you, did you funnel all that money from your science degree? Yes work into gotta be prepared slot buckets from jim Baker. now come to oh, nundercolladordinary.com to buy your own bucket of food slop for when the world ends <laughs> in a world war three <laughs> not a scam okay no, it's really food so now we're going to go into um more satan stuff and because i know everyone Good. loves satan and uh we're gonna talk about satanic philosophers and the satanic scientists oh and fun so you know so Yeah, so what's LaRouche's beef with Satan, you may ask? Well, it has a lot to do with two monumentally evil philosophers, namely Immanuel Kant and, of course, David Hume. Oh, yeah. Indeed. LaRouche believed that Kant's idealist metaphysics, besides only being a, quote, parody of Descartes' metaphysics, were also something of a gateway drug to Satanism. (laughs) In his his essay titled Immanuel Kant in the New Age Kookery, which appeared in the rag Executive Intelligence Review, or EIR, LaRouche writes, quote, The center of Kant's argument from the critique of pure reason through the critique of judgment is that there exists undeniable proof that creation has occurred, but that the idea of a process of creation is beyond the capacity of the human mind. In arguing so, Kant gave a defense for irrational mysticisms. Thus, Kant supplied us a roadmap of some of the crucial things which have occurred inside the mind of a formally well-behaved, rational person to transform that person into an adherent of astrology, of gambler's luck, or even of a Crowleyite sort of satanic cult. Uh, so it should go without saying, but all that is false. Oh, <laughs> really? I'm glad that you're uh, yeah. here to tell us these things because I, I couldn't tell. Just want to make sure our audience knows. <laughs> so Kant wasn't only a gateway drug to Satanism, but Nazism as well. Quote, for Kant, anything which is classed as metaphysical is unknowable. So, in such matters, Kant authorized arbitrary opinion to do whatever it pleased. This was summed up most explicitly, most flagrantly, 
in his critique of judgment. In that critique, there is contained implicitly proto-Nazi irrationalism. Is that true, Dylan? This is just so not true. It's oh. hard to really it's hard to really wrap your mind around that. <laughs> okay. Yes. So human Kant aren't the only scumbags La- LaRouche goes after. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Bertrand Russell, who, as Dylan pointed out earlier, was obviously the most evil man of the 20th century, is another target. LaRouche somehow pins Russell's demonstrably non-New Age beliefs on the alleged intentional spread of New Age beliefs in Colorado at the time. Quote, as the case of radical deductionist Bertrand Russell illustrates the point, the wild claims of the reductionists have a great deal to do with the intentional spread of the sort of New Age kookery now spreading in Colorado and elsewhere. And, you know, guys, I got to say, I never thought I'd hear someone levy the charge that Bertrand Russell was responsible for um, spreading new age beliefs. But, you know, actually, you know, you should check out Bertrand Russell's psychic eye new age shop in Boulder, Colorado sometime for us. You might like it. (laughs) Oh, decharge crystals. They have uh, smudged sage. It's that's all there. All right. So (laughs) Carl Sagan makes an appearance in the essay as a fabricator. Quote, there are serious practitioners who have a horror of participating in fakery, but are delimited in scientific capabilities by the deductive world outlook on their profession. More and more, the educated fall into a second class. Those like Carl Sagan, for example, who cheat in arguing their points by resorting to deductive sophistries, even in defense of deliberate hoaxes. And, you know, (laughs) LaRouche doesn't specify what hoaxes Carl Sagan participated in, but I guess extraordinary claims don't require extraordinary evidence after all. No, he was definitely a Bigfoot hoaxer. I mean, we all know that. that, That's what Carl Sagan is most well known for. Right. And plus, Sagan is already disqualified because he's a neo. Oh, that's right. Oh, um, shit. Sorry. Uh, Wrong series. I'm on the wrong series here. I'm looking at the wrong notes. Check out our UFO series uh, (laughs) if you want to find out how Carl Sagan became a neocon. So, yeah, it's real sad. I mean, that's really the ultimate hoax. Neoconservatism. Well, that goes without saying. So what other morons does LaRouche attack? Well, as it turns out, the writings of these total idiots, Descartes and Newton, abounded in faulty assumptions. Quote, The faulty assumptions center around two axioms, both shown in physics to be false to reality. The first such fallacy is the axiomatic definition of the self-evident existence of infinitely small points. The second is the assumption that the pathway of least action in empty space and empty time is straight line movement. These two arbitrary and fallacious axioms are the hereditary source of incompetencies pervading the physics of Descartes and Newton. I also just want to say that uh, these were shown to be false hundreds of years after they died. So, you know, maybe cut them a little slack. You know, (laughs) Dylan, they're idiots. They're (laughs) morons. That seems a little unfair. Okay. So who else is in the company of Hume, Kant, Descartes, Newton, Russell, and Sagan as Satanists, fabricators, talentless hacks, and or morons? The list, which may not be exhaustive because LaRouche's article is barely coherent, <laughs> includes Motley Crue, uh-uh. Elizabeth Taylor. Wait, the Aldous band? Huxley, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Motley Crue, Elizabeth Taylor, Aldous Huxley, H.G. Wells, Nietzsche, Michael Dukakis, the French <laughs> positivist, Sigmund Freud, Voltaire, Francis Bacon, Rock Against Racism music groups, oh, yeah, John man. Dewey, Ptolemy, Thomas Hobbes, 
And last but not least, Led Zeppelin. Wow. What yeah. a list. Christ. And in the tradition of our LaRouche series here at None Dare Call It Ordinary, I think this calls for another Lynn Zeppelin piece. I love what we call <laughs> Stairway to Nonsense. <clears throat> There's a cult leader who's sure he can turn your soul to gold. And she's buying a subscription to EIR. When her copy comes, she knows, even if the pages are closed, not a word in it will make any sense. Ooh, 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 and she's buying a subscription to EIR. <laughs> I have to, that's awesome, by the way. And I have to say, ironically, <laughs> When this is, when your version of this is backmasked, it doesn't say "My Sweet Satan." Oh, that's right. So that's strange. Yeah, definitely. You think it would. I mean, this would be a good. This is the version that should be backmasked <laughs> because we already know Led Zeppelin is already obviously satanic. Yeah, we just know this. But then, that's if I was a satanist, this is how I would get it out there. You know, I want the Lyndon Larouche approved but secretly satanist music. <laughs> I mean, that's. Jimmy yes. Page did buy Aleister Crowley's house, so that That's clearly. True. Oh no! Now I thought Aleister Crowley was the most evil man of the 20th century. I mean, even though Hitler was also in the 20th century, but you know, now I know Bertrand Russell. So it's Bertrand Russell, yeah, then Aleister sure. Crowley, then maybe Hitler. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. that's a big maybe. You know. Yeah. And with that, let's end this podcast with some info about EIR or Executive Intelligence Review. Now, before I go on, I do want to warn our listeners about a misunderstanding that may come from hearing those words. Contrary to what you might think, not much is actually reviewed, and the executive part of the brain associated with intelligence is sorely missing from its penmanship. So, <laughs> yep, just, you know. absolutely. So, the <laughs> aforementioned New Solidarity evolved into Executive Intelligence Review in 1977, coincidentally, of course, around the time LaRouche was explicitly shifting to the right. You know, just just yeah. Because if there's one thing the right doesn't like, it's solidarity. Yeah, we don't, Fuck we don't like that lefty fucking bullshit. So it should be noted that Iran's state-controlled press TV thinks that EIR is awesome and often uses its contents to justify its anti-West sentiment. And I must note with that, you know, clearly EIR to press TV is in no way, shape, or form anything remotely like the Ron Paul Institute to the Kremlin's RT. Okay, guys, you got that. <laughs> Nothing like it. Yep, that's true. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. Oh, yeah, I get good, it. Good. Okay. So subscriptions to EIR would fluctuate in price over the years, but at its highest, it costs nearly $400 annually. Jeez. Uh, you already got a taste of this wondrous publication with the Satanic Kant article. <laughs> but what other instances of quality content did subscribers receive for their $400 a year? Here's an exemplary example from a 2015 issue from an article called The Obama Murders. <laughs> Quote, Obama is something which must be removed, must be stopped, because he's morally an enemy of humanity. And what his policies are, are those of the enemy of humanity. What can you say about all the suckers who don't know any better, who still think that Obama's a real person? <laughs> they should ask, what his mama did for a living? That might help them understand things better. Like his predecessor, the Roman Emperor Nero, of course, Obama chose the wrong mother. But regardless, this is the issue. We cannot accept the opinion of people who support Obama <laughs> because the evidence is pl in plain view for anybody with intelligence or active intelligence <laughs> to see that Obama is a disease. He is not a president. He is a disease disguised <laughs> as a president. 
And only when you talk that way do you get to the truth of the matter. <laughs> We're dealing with a real form of Nazism beyond anything that wow. Hitler tried. <laughs> and it's coming from the transatlantic community or elements of the transatlantic wow. community. It End oh my quote. God. And he didn't even mention that Obama wore a tan suit one time. That's what's really missing. But yeah. Oh, yeah. See, the tan he, suit was the tell. You know, if if he would have just opened the tan suit, you would have seen it was just a bunch of like AIDS viruses disguised as a president. Yeah, I was going to say, it's just a disease under there. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And with that piece of brilliant commentary by <laughs> the Executive Intelligence Review. This episode is done. So, Brent, Forrest, what did you learn in today's episode? What most intrigued you about Lyndon LaRouche? Oh, uh, well, I have to say that well, if Lyndon LaRouche hates somebody, despises them, calls them satanic, you know, reptilian, whatever, they are probably going to be one of my heroes, actually, in real life. So that's that's just the connection there. And then, I don't know, the Kissinger <laughs> stuff was just unbearable. And I'm sure you're going to edit it out, but we... Yeah couldn't stop laughing at that we went for that what like 10 minutes of just pure laughter <laughs> so that was yeah it's just so horrendous it's just like this is the most ridiculous hard, hard thing yeah it's, it's the obama exactly. murders was it's, a close second to that but that was yeah obama murders was close but that the kissinger thing was this you know, that was so what about you guys what about you dylan so i mean i think for me just looking into the whole thousands of year conspiracy theory that he built on his insanity is just really impressive yeah. And how we got the Persians in there, we're going back to Babylon, and how the Jews invented the Old Testament to brainwash the other Jews, I guess. It's just very bizarre. <laughs> um, and it's really amazing. And it's just imbecility. It's really impressive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah and totally. it's also important to note that, you know, people that were, let's say, late LaRouche cultists, and they only heard him talking about the British um, a lot of them probably would believe he's not being anti-Semitic, but you ha you have to piece everything together to really understand the coded language he's using. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And um, I mean, for me, the thing that stood out the most was the satanic Kant article. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's funny, like, I'm glad you mentioned that Brent, like, in all seriousness, like, everything said there was false because I, I can imagine, too, if you don't know anything about philosophy. And just so all of our listeners know, Dylan is a philosopher. He has a degree in philosophy. And to someone that has no idea what's being said, mm -hmm. they might see, oh, there's these big words. This is very sophisticated. LaRouche knows what he's talking about. But to someone like Dylan and even me with some, some um, knowledge of this subject, you see it for what it is and just how false and nonsensical the words are. Yeah, I can say as a, you know, being an authoritative source, if I will, as a philosophy <laughs> PhD student. Ah, using that executive intelligence. It's all a bunch of malarkey and just word vomit, basically. Right, exactly. It kind of reminds me of the Paul Potter episode, how, yeah. Um, yeah. again, like, you know, we're not, we're not physicists, so we can't, we can't exactly say what's wrong with it. But the same thing's happening here. There's just a whiff of nonsense that <laughs> you can, <laughs> you get you don't even have to be a philosophy PhD to to, to know that Kant is. Yeah, you don't even have right. to be at that level of uh, of humanist elite to understand <laughs> how how false this is. But besides the Kant article, what did strike me the most was the coded anti-Semitism and yeah. just just how extreme it really was. The other uh, the thing about that in particular is uh, Dennis King does a really good job in his book 
uh, Lyndon LaRouche and the New American Fascism, again, which we have the source. If you go to uh, nundarecalledordinary.com, you could find it's all free online in HTML version approved by the author. He does a really good job connecting all of these, because at first, I think, like you were saying, if you read LaRouche's writings about history, it just seems ludicrous and weird. But he does a good job of connecting all these weird allusions, like to the Babylonians, like to the Persians, to other Nazi and proto-Nazi conspiracy theorists who make the same kind of links more explicitly in some cases. And so he does a good job of showing where LaRouche's code language fits into that broader, you know, culture What's, of conspiracy theory. What was this quote theory. earlier, Dylan? It was, it was like the closest thing to a system of total multidimensional paranoia <laughs> ever invented <laughs> in the United States. Yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> so good. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, that's something that um, needs to be pointed out because again and again, you will find these so-called white nationalist alt-writers that claim they're not anti-Semites, but they use a coded language. And if people aren't educated on that coded language, it may go over yeah, their heads. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. And with that, we are done with this episode. So if you want to get in touch with us, there's uh, multiple ways to do that. Let us know what we got right, what we got wrong. Maybe LaRouche, you know, is right about David Hume. I don't know. You know, we could always be wrong <laughs> about that. You could uh, reach out to us on social media. We're on Twitter at NDCIO. We're on Instagram at none dare call it ordinary. And you can also just send us a good old fashioned email. None dare call it ordinary at gmail.com. We also have our own place on the World Wide Web, as we once used to call it. That's nondarecalledordinary.com. There you can find links to our other episodes. You could find the sources that we used for this series and previous series. You can also find other ways to uh, contact us. We have a contact form on there. And you can also donate. We now accept crypto coin donations. That is specifically nondarecalledordinary.com slash donate. You'll find our public addresses for Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Litecoin, and Ethereum. So if you got some of that lying around and you want to toss some our way so we can invest in better equipment and all that kind of stuff, just send it on over. Again, the website is nondarecalledordinary.com. And lastly, if you could, please rate and review the podcast, especially on iTunes, especially if you can give us a written review. That helps us out a lot. It really boosts us up in our you know position on the iTunes website, which is the kind of the biggest consumer of podcasts. And with that, we are done. Obama murdered people. Obama murdered everyone. He killed them. <laughs> <laughs>